Tesla stock or Zoom stock? Uh, Tesla stock for sure. And why? Uh, not because I think that Tesla is the perfect company, of course, but uh, I, I think that uh, in the future they have great perspective, uh, mostly in uh, autonomous driving space because they are the first one to implement the solution. They have the most data so far, and as you know, for any autonomous driving, any autonomous anything, you need data, and if you are the leader in data, then you will, you have the best opportunity, I would say. That's why Tesla. Special question uh, Taylor made for you. Joseph Stiglitz or Milton Friedman? Ooh. So, I'm the firm believer in markets, to be honest, of course. But of course, markets are as good as the people uh, can uh, use it in a fair way, I would say. So, uh, in a way, I, I support that markets should define everything. But of course, when you reach a certain scale, uh, there need to be some restrictions and maybe regulations and maybe additional taxes as Stiglitz suggests. So maybe somewhere in between is the truth where we can we can lie. But especially for the smaller things, smaller niches, it should be as liberal as possible, I would say. But once you get to the big numbers, big players, then there should be some caps because uh, what we don't, uh, uh, what we may not allow is to have uh, someone who is too big to fail. Then there is a problem. Overtime versus working on weekend. Well, <laughs> uh, working on weekend, I would say. Real estate, stock exchange, or crypto for investing. Stock exchange. Podcast or a book. Podcast. What's your favorite podcast? So I, I have a couple of them that are from my niche, you know. So. Why Combinator has some, and uh, uh, also one ones who are from the strategy, for example, I, I like to, to listen a lot. Cool. And what's your favorite book? Uh, favorite book, for example, one of the, the, the latest thing I read is a platform business model. So explaining the business model around the new platforms. It is very interesting, but from, from here I would say... I don't know, Lord of the Rings and uh, Harry <laughs> Potter. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you yeah. on that. This is Chair, place where we discuss innovations. And today we are going to talk about interesting concept. Buy now, pay later. With me today at Chair Talks on this subject, I have a pleasure to welcome Misha Zhivic, founder and CEO of LeanPay, London-based fintech startup. Misho, pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for hosting me. Um, explain to me your business model. Uh, uh, where is innovation there? Um, and how are you disrupting the market, financial market? Yeah, sure. So first of all, I, I, I would say that buy now, pay later now is established niche in the financial sector for the last three to five years. There are numerous startups working in this field, of course. Uh, I would say that, for example, Klarna, a firm are one of the most dominant ones, of course. Uh, Limpe is in, this, in that space as well for a couple of years. We even started before Klarna became what it is today. Uh, and why, why this niche is important, I would say. So uh, let's say that if you take all the banking products that are there on the market, most of them are, ne- are not structured in the right way, meaning that people didn't need banking products. They need uh, different, they need, I don't know, TV, they need a furniture, they need, they need a sofa. And then there are banking products that are helping you to buy this. It is a like credit a card. Yeah, like a support, auxiliary product. 
like a credit card or a cash loan, for example. You know, so if you look uh, on the market in this way, uh, we can say that uh, banking products are not satisfying the need of the customers in the right way. Uh, and we saw the gap there and we saw an opportunity. So what we want to achieve on the market is to help any customer buy whatever they need uh, at the time they need, in few seconds, easy, with fair terms, in any shop, in any channel. So this is what we want to achieve as a, as a, That's as a company. Uh, 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 and we believe that we are on the right track. Now we are working here in the Southeastern Europe which has much greater need and demand for the financing than the richer countries in the West, of course, because here the disposable income is much lower, so more people need financing to buy what they need. Uh, you mentioned all the bank's products, different products of the banks. Um, tell me, what are the advantages and disadvantages when competing with banks? So the number one advantage is agility, I would say, and speed and understanding the technology and understand customer and how this technology can help them serve their needs better than with some traditional ways. This is number one. And then this agility comes from a different corporate government structure, different goals of the huge organization that need to be stable as a first priority versus small organization that can be fast, agile, and serve the customer as a first priority not to be stable, let's say. Uh, in this case. So this is the first advantage. And then, of course, uh, advantage for the banks, uh, they have easier access to capital. Yeah. Of course, this is the number one advantage. But on the end, capital is now becoming more and more commodity, you know. So so that's why their advantage is disappearing uh, uh, over time. And then much more important is this, how do you deploy technology to, uh, to solve everyday problems of ordinary customers? For example, and in this space, technology companies are much more better because they know how to make those technologies, they know how to deploy to the customer, they know how to improve it, uh, and they are very, uh, let's say, um, okay, taking maybe additional risks and uh, and find, and having this try and fail uh, uh, way and methodology of, of creating new things. And uh, uh, by your opinion, uh, do the banks uh, look at you as a competition or no? So some banks, yes. If the bank is in our sector, of course, we are competitors. But uh, some other banks are seeing us as opportunity to yeah. enter the sector we are serving because our business model is such that we work with uh, our partner banks that are helping us to provide the capital to the consumers to buy those things, to finance those installments, etc., etc. So uh, uh, I'm coming to that part and uh, uh, was very interesting to me that you guys just uh, closed Series A, 3 million investment yeah. from uh, South Central Ventures and I congratulate you on that. Uh, can you tell me how this influence uh, 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 and changes uh, way you are uh, doing business? Yeah, so first, yes, we just closed around. The lead investor was Lead Venture from Hungary and then supported by South Central Ventures, who, who was our seed round investor as well. Uh, and uh, this capital will help us now to enter uh, two new markets, this which is Hungary and Romania in 2022, uh, of course, and uh, to support the further growth in Slovenia and Croatia, where we are already present as such. But of course, this round means that we are now coming from a startup to a scale-up, 
which brings a lot of new challenges and, of course, uh, issues to tackle, not just from the customer side, but from the internal organizational side, how we are going to work, how we are going to uh, keep this agility, of course, but, but stay, uh, still to invest more in stability, to invest more in sustainability for the future, of course. And what would you say are your biggest challenges? from that perspective, uh, yeah. with the growth uh, moving from uh, startup to scale-up? So oh, the number one, I would say, is for the leadership, because in startup leadership, I would say, do, does a lot of operational work, you know. So myself and my other colleagues who are in the leadership team, we were very much involved in the daily operations, you know. And now we need to uh, transfer this, to make a transition from these to be a only leaders, you know, and to create this middle management level and then to organize all the company processes, you know, to work in a proper way. So, so of course, this is the number one challenge for every scale-up, I would say. And uh, how about measuring re- results? Uh, uh, do you have some... There is many methodologies right now uh, uh, present. Do you... Uh, are you planning to Im- implement something internally uh, for example, like OKRs or things like that, or you're working with something completely different? No, we are just uh, just in uh, in the process of establishing OKR system, of course, cool. number one. But of course, for different uh, part of organizations, there are different KPIs of, for development. Of course, it is one of the maybe uh, most interesting challenges, of course, as you know, to, to establish the KPIs to monitor how the, the engineering team works. Uh, of course, for the sales, it is very straightforward what are the KPIs and how we're going to measure. But on a higher level for the leadership, OKR is something that we are now working on. Um, you mentioned a change in leadership. What, what is changing now with, with the investment? Can you tell me about your role as a CEO? Uh, 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 what this impose? Uh, how, how your day-to-day work is going to change? So it will change from more operational work to more communication, coordination about the leadership team, about the strategy, the vision, and bringing everything to, to work together smoothly as a one big team and going and have a, a, a bold focus and steering on objectives and, uh, uh, and milestones that we need to achieve, for example, this year, I would say. And uh, are you feeling uh, in that new role in those new, new shoes are you feeling well or or yeah yeah it's it's a new challenge of course so it's uh, it's additional motivation of course to succeed also in this step because it is one of the must steps you need to 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 have in this uh, evo- uh, uh, evolution of a company but also you as a, as a professional for example um, tell me about the fintech fintech uh, 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 ecosystem uh, we are talking about the challenges now. Maybe we can go to, to that part of the of, of the ecosystem. What are the biggest challenges in fintech? So I would say that, the, of course, the biggest challenge was and will be the regulation because the fintech is very different from other areas in IT where you can easily make an application, put it on an app store, and then you can download it in any country, in any market. So actually the world is your market. Here in fintech, unfortunately, this is not the case because it is heavily regulated industry. Uh, and uh, in order to provide the service in multiple jurisdictions, you, you usually need uh, some adaptation, some changes. So it is much harder to scale cross-border than it is for other uh, businesses, you know. Yeah. So this is the number one challenge, of course. And uh, the number two is what I said in the beginning, as you grow, 
you are more risk to the system, so more regulation and more questions will be asked to you as you are growing company. So you are right now in how many markets? In two markets, but one we just entered maybe two months ago, three months ago. So, and planning two new ones? Two new, so we are going to be in four until the end of the year. And uh, how big is going to be uh, that challenge of regulations from this perspective right now? Very, <laughs> the, the biggest one, of course, it was the biggest question also from our investors who were... Uh, to whom we were talking about the new the, uh, about the new investment, you know. So that's why we are now also with new assets. We, we we can have some some help. We took one of the big fours to help us structure the the regulation case in all the markets simultaneously, uh, and it is a number one challenge for us to overcome. So you mentioned two markets that you are right now present, but I would like you to to, to tell me about differences for example here on balkans the, where are you present and uh, uh, for example us market in terms of of course uh, a pain uh, buy now pay later mode yeah sure sure so the the first major difference is that uh, in the in this part of the world the, the need for financing is much greater so because people have lower disposable income and you need uh, more availability of the financing to buy what you need in U.S., it's more fashion now with the younger generation who are more cautious how they spend. They don't like to use bank physical credit cards with high interest rates. That's why they are allowing now Klarna, Afirm, because they can buy in two or three clicks on a mobile phone without any interest, for example. Uh, so this is the main difference, you know. And now, because we emerge from those markets here, there is also a differentiation between us and, let's say, Klarna as a major player in this market. So they are more focused on FNCG fashion, and their average ticket, because of this, is some $120. Uh, and for us, uh, our average ticket is some 550 euros, which is almost five times bigger than Klarna, compared to Klarna. And we are more focused on consumer electronics, on furniture, on sports equipment, travel. So what you need maybe once or twice per year we are there to help you financing this you know so these are the main differences so uh, on uh, with what i heard there is a big opportunity for you guys on the big markets like usa but i'm sure that uh, uh, how you're going to approach potential customers is going to be completely different than uh, what you're doing right now yeah, sure. So uh, I, I would say that we have a differentiation, as I explained, even in binary operator in these two sub niches. So, so for us, uh, it is a completely different business model because there is a huge difference if you issue a loan one hundred or two thousand euros. How do you score the customer? How do you comply with the regulation? How do you uh, secure funding? And how the whole business dynamics goes in this? So that's why, uh, of course, we would have an opportunity in bigger markets. Now it depends on our strategy, where we can extract the biggest value from, where we are now as a company, what we can, how much capital we can raise in future, and of course, are are those the the right approaches? This is the decision that will be upon us to decide in next one year, I would say. So while we are still on the subject of customers, can you share with me some strategies and tactics that you use to engage more with them? Because more engagement means more business for you, right? So I would say that the, the success of buy now, pay later is exactly engaging with the customers in a proper way compared to what the banks are doing. So, so we are in a B2B, B2B to C space, meaning that our initial customer is a merchant. 
that integrates us as a payment method, and then the final customer is the client who uses us to pay for a TV over time, for example. And what was until now, banks were only focused on the last step in that journey, which is a checkout, either on online or at the cashier where you're buying something. You know, you go there and then there is some process to get a loan, for example. What we are doing uh, by now is doing the, the purchase journey uh, is much wider than a checkout. It, it, it starts with the need, so I need something like a new TV because old one is broken or there is actually new technology. Then there is a research phase where I will research what I can buy in which shop. And then there is a comparison stage where I will compare maybe two or three my best picks. And then there is a checkout in the end. So upon all these touch points in the customer purchase journey, we have a proper integration, a proper communication, how we explain them, how we can help them, how they can use our service, and actually why we are there actually. In a way. Because all those steps have different psychological state of mind of a customer. In the beginning, they're more relaxed. And on the end, they are more, there is a, a greater fear of regret fear uh, of, I don't know, uh, budget, do I have a budget or not, etc. Et That's why there are so many cart abandonment uh, 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 on the end of the process because of the, those fears. So if you don't manage those fears along this customer journey in a proper way, you will not convert him as, a, as, as a, your customer on the end. And actually the biggest value of what buy now operators is providing to the shops is they're helping their customers to overcome those issues and they're actually increasing the conversion rates in the end. So based on what you just said, it's, uh, uh, in your business, it's very important to uh, educate the customers. How, uh, um, how, how are you uh, doing this? Uh, are there some tools that are using some approaches? Can you elaborate a bit yes. on this? So it is less education, more proper information, I would say because they know what payment installment is, of course, but if you provide the right information in the right way, for example, what we do, what tool we have, is a tool to check your limit, which we provide to the customer at the point of the browsing or comparison phase of the customer journey, but he's relaxed, saying, okay, now I have three TVs, I want to buy one of them, one is 500, the one, the second one 750, the fourth one, the third one is 1,000, and then we will provide you a tool, okay, Okay, please check your limit with a couple of clicks, a few data points. In a matter of seconds, we will get you an answer what, what, which one you can afford. Then, because I am not still at the checkout, I, I easily do this. I get the information and now I know. I know which one I can buy. I know which one I can like. And then when I go to the checkout, it will be much bigger chance for me to actually finish the checkout as such. Uh, uh, while we're still on the subject of customers, uh, I want to touch base on the product itself and how you decide uh, uh, what to do next product-wise. Uh, how you make the decision uh, uh, which new feature to, to, to launch, uh, uh, how to, to present it to the users. Uh, what is your approach in this area? So it is a very complex approach, I would say, because you need to look at from many angles. Of course, one angle is the strategy of the company. Then the, the second angle is actually the, the patterns of the behavior of the customer to understand it, to, so, so you can better understand their needs. And, ben, and then based on everything, you decide how actually you will deploy new features and where to focus on, you know. 
So I would say that the number one in our area is to understand the whole journey. How actually from the initiation, meaning once I need something, then to the checkout every every stage and then to see how we can help customers overcome uh, this obstacle to come to the next stage. And then we see which, which feature will solve this, of course, maybe we can test it, uh, maybe we can research it and maybe we can see even best practices, etc. etc. You know, what I find very useful, for example, is to have a general knowledge about other industries as well and to understand what are the new business models in other industries, what are the new solutions in other industries, because maybe some solution and some model from another industry can actually help you solve the problem in the right way in your industry, for example. So as an entrepreneur, it is very important to be very, very informed what is happening in many different areas and many different industries to understand what are the new solutions and why actually they exist, because maybe you will find inspiration to solve your problem there. And are you experimenting a lot? testing different things? So, to be honest, uh, we can do more, but uh, as, as you can imagine, uh, as, I, as I said in the beginning, financial risk is very regulated, so you cannot easily just test what whatever you like. That's why it is very important to plan properly, to have a very diligent investigation, look for the strategy, research, etc., before you make some move here. And th- does that... Uh, um influence your speed of delivery? If we are compared to non-fintech companies, yes, but if we are compared to the fintech companies, no, because there are fintech, as I said, as an industry is constrained with the regulation and compliance, so you can only go uh, uh, in those boundaries, <laughs> you know, so you cannot go above this. That, that, that sounds a bit frust- frustrating, uh, uh, but on the other hand, uh, if it gives you framework framework where to work on and uh, where to where to swim, so to speak. Maybe that can be uh, useful if you are used to work in that kind of way. Yeah, but for many, it's an obstacle, but also it can be opportunity, of course, yeah. because it also depends how do you understand those constraints, you know, because uh, uh, banks, they are, they are taking very conservative approach in, in, in understanding those constraints, you know, but... In reality, it is not as such. And in reality, not so many things are defined. And usually, if it is a proper legal system, everything what is not forbidden is allowed. And this is actually the area where you can actually explore. You know, So no one first invented credit cards from the regulation standpoint, and then there was a product. First, there was a product because there was no regulation about credit cards. You know, And then the regulator said, okay, we need to regulate this. And then the credit cards are regulated. So in, in any new product, you know, there is a lot of space where you can actually have a freedom uh, to understand those constraints in a proper way. And actually we took a, a freedom in this in a couple of cases and we succeeded. And this is actually the main differentiation in the market we're doing compared to the banks. For example, in KYC process, you know, there are, there are many hacks that you can do actually to be compliant and, and then again to be very innovative, you know. So... You're in a fintech uh, uh, domain for a for a long time now, right? Yeah. Um, and there is always that question around crypto. And um, I want to hear from your side, how is influencing uh, uh, fintech domain? So it, it has a huge influence, I would say, of course, because it's a, it's a huge hype around it. So it has a also positive but also negative influence, I, I can say, you know, because... Uh, uh, some things about crypto potentially could be very good, of course, if they 
uh, leave up to have some added value for the ordinary customer. But of course, there are many spe speculations and many not so good things about uh, crypto that are actually maybe jeopardizing even some trust in uh, fintech and such, you know. So there are two sides, you know. Uh, uh, from my perspective, uh, uh, I believe that solutions need to help people, ordinary people, uh, and they don't need to invest a lot in understanding it, getting to know, etc., etc. So if crypto uh, would have some positive influence to the customers, then of course, yes, we can use it. But, you know, now this is the question. And uh, do you have any plans, ideas that you enter this? Or no? So to connect to the, to the previous answers, now it depends in what additional value will those new technology will bring to our users. If the only additional value is to be uh, DeFi, in, in de decentralized, then there is no huge additional value to the customer because ordinary customer doesn't understand this concept. You know, what our customer need is to get additional financing, in a couple of seconds in any shop, as I said in the beginning. So, so they don't care what's going on? Yeah, in the back end, you know, the, the, for the ordinary customer, they don't have, they don't care. You know, this is a very similar discussion, I would say, maybe like 25, 30 years ago between Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniacki, you know, because one was saying it is very important what is uh, happening in, in the back and then because it's cool for a tech guy, but then the other says, no, but who cares about it? You know, I need one button to press and that's, that's it, and it works. How it's designed behind, no one cares. You know, so so uh, for me, as I said in the beginning, the, the innovation needs to have a real value, additional value in solving a problem in more efficient way for a customer. So uh, are we going to use it? Depends. If we, if we find a use case which will help us, of course, we are going to use it. But we are not going to use it just because it's very hype. Let's talk about the future, future of the buy now pay later model uh, uh, where is uh, this market going and where limpay is going i i think that uh, the the it's a very bullish market to be and it is going to be even more bullish in the future uh, i would say that probably uh, one of the reason is of the huge success of the global companies like klarna because they are actually establishing the market of course we are establishing in our all small markets and we can find our space in this new market that is being created. But as I said in the beginning, the technology company in this space are much better in recognizing what the customer needs, and we are delivering a better, better value to our customer. And uh, I would say today that more, uh, the latest research shows that in the most developed markets like UK and US, more than 35% of the millennial generation are using buy now, pay later. I would assume that five to 10 years from now, it will go to 70% of total users that are going to use this. So it, it, it is going fundamentally to change the landscape of financing. Um, and uh, it will, and all the fintech companies are aiming to create a super app. This is a, the, the That's game trend. end for everyone. But I would say that the buy now, pay later has the best opportunity to, to actually create one. And actually, the Klarna Inn is a very good position to be the first super app, I would say, with the real value to the customers because how what they do, how they make now their, their acquisitions, for example, 
what new features they are delivering. You can easily see they're they are going to that direction and you can see that they understand the customers very well, I would say. So, so in some way, you know, uh, especially about e-commerce, uh, Amazon did a lot in past to contribute to the development of the e-commerce, but uh, as in any in any case in the in the history now they are doing vice versa because they are now so huge, so small retailer doesn't have any chance against, against them. You know they are taking the 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 soul of the small retailer yeah. that are selling on them. You know, and uh, I would say that Klarna is opportunity and we are opportunity. For example, here. Uh, not just for the customers, but also for the smaller retailers, you know. Because if you have a super app, then the marketplace is not so important, I would say. And may- maybe maybe this is a chance for them to fight the big ones, you know. So there is a lot of things that is going to happen and a lot of things how buy now, pay later, we create ecosystems that ac- actually will bring value to customers, small businesses, but also in the big ones in the end, you know. And for the, uh, for the Lean Pay endgame? I would say that we aim to be the best uh, digital credit institution in the Southeast Europe. I would say this is the number one thing to be. And then, of course, we will see how it's going to develop. Can we bring the value that we are providing here to maybe some other Western countries? It depends. But uh, 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 we aim to excel in how we understand credit and how we will deploy credit to the customers. And hopefully we will see that very soon. Yeah. Misha, thank you so much for this conversation. I enjoyed it. And for you out there, uh, see you next Thursday about some new innovations, new chair talk. Uh, subscribe, of course. And that's it for today. Thank you. Thank you.